Here at the crucifixion, we come to the place uh, where Jesus has already spoken to his mother. That's in verse 26 and 27. And then in verse 28 is where we'll take our, our text. John 19, verse 28 says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled the sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished, and bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Tonight, the fifth cry of the cross is I thirst. And uh, just for a few moments, I'd like for us to look at that. But before we do, uh, let's pray together. Father, we ask for your help tonight, that you would help us to see where we are with you. Lord, help us to take into account everything that you said. They say that there's nothing more important than a man's last words. And these are some of yours. Help us to delve into it and see where we stand in there. And that you didn't thirst for your own sake, but for ours. Help us to see that. Help us to see Jesus crucified, high and lifted up. Grab fast hold to him and find all we need in him. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Over the past couple of weeks or so, I've covered a few of the cries of the cross. And this one, I've called a, a word of requirement. To have your thirst taken care of is a requirement. You can't go very long without water. And Jesus, at this point on the cross, is thirsty. Here's what we can find out about Jesus saying, I thirst. And I'll begin with the physical and work my way into the spiritual. Hopefully this will be a help to you tonight. I think it's very fitting for me because I have got a need in my own soul. And I thirst. If you come tonight with a thirst, it can be satisfied tonight. This is a word of requirement. You need water. And this tells us that Jesus, first off, was a human. There are some who believe he was only God, and some that he was a, just a man, but he was neither of the both. He was not 50% of each. He was 100% of each. He was the God-man. And this... We find Jesus' humanity in, for he said, I thirst. God in the flesh had come to earth. He felt what you do. He experienced what you, do, you have and do. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. He was born in Bethlehem. He was the seed of the woman, born of a virgin. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And yet he is the man of sorrows. And on the cross here, he is sorrowing. For he is thirsting. While he was on the earth, Jesus proved that he was God because he knew all things. He knew how to take care of every situation. Nothing took him by surprise. He lived godly. He never sinned once. He worked miracles in the, in the physical and the spiritual realms uh, with great power. He proved his Godhead in the flesh. Uh, here's what Jesus said. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you want to know what God looks like, look at Jesus Christ and you'll see the Father. He also proved his humanity when he was on this earth. He was wrapped 
in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. He increased with wisdom and stature in the sight of man and God both. He asked questions in the temple. He was wearied in his body when he was on his journey. He hungered. He thirsted. At times, he slept. And it also says that it oftentimes when situations would come up, it said he marveled. He was amazed at some things. We find at Lazarus' tomb, he wept. We find often that he prayed. He rejoiced in the spirit. He groaned in himself. All these things prove Jesus was a man, and here he thirsted. You can see the severity of Jesus' sufferings in thirst. For the last thing that Jesus had to drink was the night before at the Last Supper with his disciples. But when he entered the Garden of Gethsemane, he picked up another cup. He began drinking the cup of wrath and woe. And now as he has suffered through the darkness for three hours, as a rag that's been wrung out, these cry, this cry passes through his parts lips and he says, I thirst. We find that he suffered as no other man had suffered. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. But I have you know, this cry was not a cry for pity. It was a cry from anguish out of the depths of his soul and out of his body. For when he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That was the anguish of soul. When he said, I thirst, it had to do with his body as well as his soul. We find the uh, psalmist, here's what he said. He said, my moisture is turned into the drought of summer. And we know in the scriptures that it says that a, a broken spirit drieth the bones. You see, your body and your soul sympathize with one another. What your body experiences, your soul feels. And sometimes there are people who are perfectly healthy in body and yet their heart causes the, their body to go sick. Uh, we call that stress and, and various different things. A broken heart will affect the body. Jesus here is suffering in soul and in body. He said, I thirst, and it expresses the severity of the conflict he had just passed through. He just went through three hours of darkness. He said nothing in the dark until now. He says, first off, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And without any time elapsing, I believe, he goes right into and saying, I thirst. He's letting us know what he just went through. How severe was it that he just went through? His body feeling all the pain. His soul was in the squeeze underneath the wrath of God. And he said, I thirst. And what it lets us know is that what he just went through had taken a toll on him. Have you ever been working out in the yard and you got so hot and tired that your tongue was cleaving to your mouth? You, your mouth was dry. You was cotton mouthing and you wanted something to drink. It drains you when you got to work in the heat. And Jesus here has just passed underneath the wrath of God. And as he has borne the wrath, 
for sinners. He says, I thirst. In Lamentations 1, we find a similar passage to this. Here's what he says. Is it nothing to you, all you that pass by? Behold and see if there been any sorrow like unto mine, which is done upon me, wherewith the Lord hath afflicted me in the day of his fierce anger. From above hath he sent fire into my bones, and it prevaileth against them. He has spread a net for my feet. He turned me back. He made me desolate and faint. Jesus' thirst came at the expense of human hospitality. For when he said, I thirst, how did they treat that? Did they give him a cup of cool water? No, they gave him vinegar to drink. I want to tell you that man has always treated the Lord that way. Man offers the Lord vinegar. Vinegar is bitter. Vinegar is soured. And even the best that you and I can offer is nothing but soured sins, sin-stained works. You cannot add anything to what Jesus has done. But that's the way we repay God's kindness to us. He's been so good. He's given us everything we have. And in turn, we give him the leftovers and make excuse for why he can have what little we give him. It's nothing more than vinegar. But does Jesus turn that away? Look in verse 30. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, I'll tell you, friend, how good he is. No matter what you offer, however bitter it may be, he can take it. Thank God for that. Before you and I were ever saved, we offered him vinegar. Our hearts are melted when we hear, heard of his suffering, but we refused to turn from our own sin and our own way. We gave him our tears, and then we grieved him with our sins. We heard of his death, but we refused to change our lives for his sake. That's nothing more than vinegar. If you've heard the gospel story, why have you not repented yet? That's nothing more than vinegar. But I'll tell you, he'll take it if you'll offer it. Jesus' thirst lets you know the land he just went through. He went through no man's land. There was nobody there. Not even was God there. He was desolate and alone. He had no one to stand with him. So if you feel as though you have nobody standing with you, you have the promise of one. There's only one who's ever stood alone. That's Jesus himself. But he promised, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So as lonely as you may feel, there is one there. Paul, when he was on the ship and it looked like all was lost, they were in a bad storm, they were all going to go down. Paul went down into the ship and he prayed and he come up and he told the men, don't despair of life for I've been in the ship in the, in the bowels of the ship this night and one stood with me. It's the Lord and he said, fear not. There'll be no loss of life as long as you stay on the boat. Paul understood when he felt all alone. He said, I told you we shouldn't have loosed from here. We should have stayed, but you just had to go. And since we went, it looks like our life is going to end now. But the Lord was there. At the end of Paul's life, before he was going to be beheaded, he goes down a list of everybody that had forsaken him. 
He said, this one's not here and that one's not there. And he said, Luke is with me, but I don't see him right now. I'm isolated in this cell. He said, nevertheless, the Lord stood with me and comforted me. No matter how lonely you may feel, the Lord's there. Jesus passed through a desolate, dry and parched land. And since he passed through that land as a type of our sin offering, the scapegoat where they put the, the blood of one on the scapegoat and they put their hands on his head, they confessed the sins of the people and then they led that goat out into the wilderness, out of sight to bear away the sin of the people forever that where they would never see their sins again. That's the way Jesus was suffering on this day. Our surety is who he is in Hebrews. He's in the sinner's stead, suffering inwardly and bodily. <clears throat> we find that this cry that he is crying, I thirst, is not just about a physical thirst, but it is about an inward thirst. For David said in Psalm 42, he said, as the heart panteth after the watery brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Tears have been my meat day and night, while they say continually unto me, where is thy God? Jesus here is crying because he has more than a physical thirst. He's got a thirst on the inside that cannot be quenched. It puts me in mind of a woman at a well going to quench her thirst. And there was a man there one day. He must needs go through Samaria. And as she passed by, he told her, he said, woman, give me a drink. And she said, uh, well, you don't have a bucket. Jesus said, if you knew who it was talking with you, you'd ask of me and I'd give you a drink. He that drinketh of this well will thirst again, but he that drinketh of the water that I'll give him shall never thirst, but shall be in him a well springing up into everlasting life. She said, Lord, evermore give me this water that I thirst no more and come here no more to draw water. And I tell you that day she left her water pot and she left with a well. She had some, uh, some need in her that only he could satisfy. And this is the cry that he uses from the cross. He says, I have got a need in me, and my need is the presence of God. Let me ask you, friend, how much do you need God? How much do you need his presence? Are you fine to play the game and go out the way you came in? Or is there a need in your soul? You've got to have a drink. Do you know what it's like to be so thirsty? You cannot operate without a drink. I'll tell you what, I've, I've been in this place before. I've been mighty thirsty a lot of times. One day in particular, I was working in Memphis I was in an enclosed area, had to use a propane saw. And as I used that saw in that enclosed area, whether I was aware of it at the time or not, I don't remember. But at some point, it dawned on me, you're about to pass out. I'm drenched. I've, I've got a hard hat on. I've got to keep my head tilted just so the water will run out of the hard hat and run down the corner of my eye to where I can see. 
I'm drenched. I'm about out of water. My heart starts racing and hitting hard, and I'm doing nothing but walking behind the saw. I know something's got to give. Either you're getting a water or you're about to hit the ground and somebody's going to find your body. Have you ever been in that shape with God? I got to have something from God I can't go on. If I don't get something now, I'm going to die. Have you ever been there with him? This is where the Lord is at this time. His thirst is not just physical. He is longing for God's presence. Uh, can you go on without it or do you need it? This is what Jesus is enduring for your sake and mine. He just went through all kinds of darkness. And now his cry is, Lord, where is your presence? I've got a need in me. I am not satisfied with nothing less than your smile. In Psalm 63, it says, My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Psalm 143, he said, I stretch forth my hands unto thee. My soul thirsteth after thee. Jesus' severity in his suffering caused him to cry. So no matter where you are, saved or lost, no matter where you are, if you have a deep-seated need, you're only a cry away from having that need met. Jesus was sensitive to God's word, too. We find his sensitivity to the scriptures. Look in verse 29. Or, I'm sorry, verse 28. After this, knowing Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith I thirst. What scripture was going to be fulfilled? I want you to think about this. As Jesus has gone from Gethsemane and the arrest and the trial and the mocking and the scourging, he didn't hide his back from the smiters. He says in Isaiah, they piled deep furrows in his back. He didn't hide his face from shame and spitting, for they pulled the hair out of his face. They spit in his face. They blindfolded him. They hit him with their hands and said, if you're a prophet, tell us which one hit you. They said, well, if he's a king, he's got to have a throne. So they take a, a, an old broken down chair and they sit him in it and they point and laugh and say, there's the king. And one says, well, a king's got to have a crown. So they go in the courtyard and they make a little crown of thorns and they put it on his head. And as they put it on his head, they take a stick and they hit him on the head and drive that crown in to where it pierces beyond the skull. And then one says a king has to have a scepter. So they go out and they pull an old weed out of the yard, put it in his hand and mock him and laugh. They take a coat, a purple, an old ratty coat, and throw it around him and, say, and bow the knee and say, Behold the king, and then spit in his face. As he endured every bit of that. And they beat him, and they walked him up the Via Dolorosa, which is the way of suffering, all the way up to Golgotha. They laid him on a cross. They nailed him down. They hung him up on the cross, and he stayed there for three hours. And at the close of that first three hours, that thief next to him said, Lord, remember me. And Jesus said, I will. And then the sky turned black, and there was darkness over the whole land. 
Jesus hangs there in silence for three hours under the wrath of God. And he says nothing until it's time for him to say, why have you forsaken me? And then he says, I'm thirsting. I thirst. All the scriptures have been fulfilled to this point. But there's one. Jesus is so keen. He is going to fulfill every part of what was written about him. He remembered Psalm 69. His mind was ever clear, and he was going to fulfill it. Everything else had been fulfilled except one thing. And he knew, I've got to say this, though I'm thirsting, I must say I thirst because that scripture has to be fulfilled. Boy, Jesus is so aware of every detail. He knows how to work every part together. Jesus, as he hung on the cross, he was the possessor of heaven and earth. Do you realize who was in control on the cross? When he was on the cross, amidst his worst and most agonizing moments, he still held the world in his hands. He was the whole reason this world was created. He held it in his hand, all the waters too, and yet he said, I thirst. He created water just by saying, let there be, and there was. He said to the people who were carrying water pots, Fill them up with water and it'll turn into wine. And it happened. He could have said at this moment, let there be water to take care of my thirst. But he didn't. Isaiah 69. Here's a quick rundown of how that psalm goes. It begins with him being sunk in deep mire. And then he's hated without a cause. He bore reproach and shame. He said, I'm a stranger to my brethren. I'm the drunkard's song. I cried unto God in my distress. And now nothing remains but one thing. And it's the scripture that says, for my thirst, they gave me gall and vinegar. So Jesus says, I thirst. And verse 29 says, and there was a set of vessel full of vinegar. They filled the sponge with vinegar, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. Jesus knew this had to be fulfilled. It was written of him. And he fulfilled it every whit. Jesus yielded himself to the complete authority of God's word. How do we do in life? Do we yield to God's word and say, Lord, whatever you want, that's what I want. I'll give my life to the death to do exactly what you said. That's what Jesus is doing here. He was submitted to the Father's will. We find that as Jesus was submitted to his Father's will, the Father always delighted in him, and yet he thirsted. And it was in the Father's will for Jesus to thirst right now. I want, to, I want it to be easy. I want it to be... Uh, I want to be comfortable. That's the way I am in myself. But oftentimes the Lord says, no, it's not time for that. Weeping endures for the night. 
But joy cometh in the morning. There's no joy without weeping. If everything is joyful, then you wouldn't appreciate the joy that God gives, except you go through a dark night. And here Jesus has gone through three hours of darkness. And now he's seeing the light, for he sees it's all been fulfilled except one thing. And he says, I thirst. And as they put that vinegar to his lips, I'll not preach on this tonight, but then comes the next cry. In verse 30, he said, it's finished. He could not say it is finished until he thirsted. And friend, you and I, as we journey through this life, our life journey is not going to be over until at some point you've got a thirst in your soul for the living God. For the scriptures say, my soul thirsted for thee, for the living God. When shall I come into thy presence? Do you thirst after the Lord that way? Is it your life's goal and purpose to do what the Lord said at all costs, no matter how, how life treats you, no matter how you feel, no matter what others say, no matter if you understand it or not, do, do you want to honor God and His Word in all things? Jesus laid His life down to the death. He said, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life. No man taketh it from me. I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I've got power to take it up again. Jesus, in his statement, I thirst, we find him sympathizing with his own people's suffering. Because you thirst, he did too. The scriptures say, surely, he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He suffered for us in the flesh. He himself has suffered being tempted. And since he did, he is able to succor them also that are tempted. He would not be able to be a faithful, sympathizing high priest except he felt what you feel. He could not accurately represent you and I before the Father as the mediator between God and man if he didn't experience what you and I feel. In the trials uh, of this life, often we have questions that come up, like, does God see me? Does he care? Does he know where I'm at? When we're in those places, you need to remember the song that says, oh, yes, he cares, I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. Why is his heart touched with my grief? Because he bore my griefs and my sorrows. He made them his very own. The scriptures say we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Are you pained tonight? So was Jesus Christ. Are you misunderstood? Misjudged? Misrepresented? He was too. Have those nearest and dearest to you turned away 
They did to Jesus as well. Are you in darkness? Jesus was for three hours. And yet in the midst of all of that, it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren that he might taste death for every man. Why did he thirst? To feel my need and yours. Here we find the speech of a universal need. Every one of us have got a need in us that this world cannot satisfy. But the world tells you the way that you can satisfy your desire is by having money, wealth, fame, honor, wisdom, pleasure, all manner of religions, and you can fill in the blank with anything else. But I'll tell you that there is a, there is a longing in your soul that this world can never provide nor satisfy. There is a, the old saying is, there's a God-shaped hole in you, and unless he takes up residence, you'll always feel empty inside. If you died in your sins today, do you know what your eternal cry is going to be? I thirst. You see, somebody has tasted that for you, so you don't have to. But if you want to taste it, he'll allow it. He'll let you thirst throughout all eternity. Say, how do we know that? The rich man and Lazarus said that the rich man had plenty. Lazarus was a beggar at the gate and the dogs licked his sores and he ate the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. But one day both of those guys died and Lazarus was carried by the angels into the bosom of Abraham. But in hell, the rich man lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and said, I thirst. What's it like in hell? There's a thirst there that'll never be satisfied. If we can't take a physical thirst for more than a couple of hours, what will eternity be like? Why do you delay? Why do you put off to tomorrow what should be today? Where are you with the Lord? Do you have a thirst in you? Believer, do you have a thirst in you to walk with God, to walk hand in hand with Him, to feel His presence? Sinner, do you have a need in you? Do you have a thirst? Where are you with the Lord tonight? The Lord can meet those needs. The only way he'll meet them is at the cross. See, no matter where you are or what you've experienced in this life, you'll find that Jesus understands it at the cross. He tasted every bit of that for you and I. So whether saved or lost, whoever you are and wherever you are, Jesus understands it. And whatever you need, you can find all your need supplied in him.